Welcome to episode 147 of The Digital Life, a show about our adventures in the world of design and technology. I'm your host, John Follett, and with me is founder and co-host, Dirk Niemeyer. Howdy, John. Dirk, today we're going to talk about kind of a crazy topic, maybe a little... Crazy. Yeah. Uh, so so this week we're, we're going to talk about how death, burial, and, and remembrance is changing as it intersects with technology. And I know the show is called The Digital Life. So uh, today we're going to talk about the digital afterlife a little bit. Uh, I wanted to start out with uh, laying the groundwork, kind of uh, talking about some of the factors that are that are driving change and in innovation, however you want to uh, uh, frame it up in uh, the 21st century, starting with there's a lot more people on the planet, uh, and a lot more people are living in cities. Those are uh, two undeniable trends. Additionally, there are demographic shifts in different nations that make traditional burial rites uh, no longer sustainable for various reasons. Uh, you know, as more people are living in cities, there's uh, necessarily also a lack of space, at least in the areas where most people are. Um, and then finally, we're starting to tune into uh, a variety of environmental concerns that that come along with something like uh, uh, burial, which can you know involve all kinds of artificial materials, be they plastics, just things that 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 aren't going to degrade over time. So these you know these factors come together in such a way that. It's, it's really influencing how people are, you know, thinking about uh, uh, being buried or cremated or what have you. And then also how they're going to be remembered by their, uh, their friends, their family, their uh, offspring, you know, in, in the years that, that, that follow their passing. And so that's where things like the, the sort of digital space that we talk about all the time, that, that comes into play as well. Because as you well know, there's, there's lots of information about us that we update regularly in, uh, you know, cyberspace. And certainly that's information that, you know, may exist long after we're gone. So I wanted to start with an example of, of, uh, innovation, for lack of a better word, in this, in this space, uh, which is actually happening in Tokyo, Japan. Uh, there's a, uh, a futuristic graveyard space that belongs to this Buddhist temple in, in downtown Tokyo called, uh, the space is called Ruriden. And uh, it, it's basically this very beautiful, um, uh, almost uh, ceremonial and, and sacred space that just has thousands of these glass Buddha statues. And each statue represents uh, a person who, uh, you know, either has passed or, or has been, uh, you know, reserved that spot. And they, they glow in different sort of lovely colors. And the, uh, and so it's, you know, these huge, uh, this huge installation, as you can imagine, you know, these thousands of statues all, all glowing, uh, uh, you know, with LED light. And then the remains of the person uh, is stored nearby, although certainly, you know, not in the exact spot as the statue, but, but, but nearby. And there's a swipe card 
that uh, that that a person who, you know, whether it's a relative or friend can have encoded with their uh, loved one's uh, information. So the specific Buddha statue will glow representing that person uh, when, when you come to remember that person at this space. So what that solves uh, for a lot of people is, is that there's no longer all of the uh, all of the trappings that come along with with a grave site in Japan, which involves costly maintenance, you know, it's a piece of real estate in a very expensive market that needs to be, you know, shouldered by uh, the family, uh, you know, those expenses ongoing, you know, presumably for as long as the family is around. Uh, and additionally, it still gives that uh, location, that sacred space where someone can go and remember a person, um, you know, even though, you know, the, the person's not there, it gives them a place to, to meditate on that or uh, uh, what have you. So I thought this, this Ruridan uh, temple space was a good example of how our burial rites are, are changing and how it's still providing that interaction that people want, that meditative space, but in a totally different way and leveraging some technologies that, uh, that you know, are in, in pretty unique ways. I have some other examples, but I, I wanted to pause to see what your thoughts were on that, uh, on that space in Tokyo. You know, I, I think it's an interesting story, but I don't know that it's all that new or unique. Um, you know, my grandparents, for example, died in 1995, and they are buried in sort of a traditional plot with a it's not a headstone that comes out of the ground, but it's flat to the ground, you know, um, carved metal of some kind, you know, mm -hmm. the, the traditional thing. And in this same facility, um, with facility being like a large open, you know, green space, there's also a building. And inside the building are smaller um, installations on a wall that, frankly, other than lacking neon Buddhas, mm -hmm. look very similar to what they're doing in Japan. So I'm not sure, from my perspective, I'm not sure that it's all that new and different um, from what already has been happening from the standpoint of either accommodating, um, having run out of space, so trying to fit more um, people fit more remembrances into a smaller space um, and or uh, cheap more cheaply, you know, whether they're space or not having sort of a low, a low dollar option to mm -hmm. memorialize. To me, the difference is um, in, in the, the, the cemetery where my grandparents are buried, the people, you know, inside that building still get the, the, the stone, the, the metal, the carved traditional and with this place in Japan, it's glow-in-the-dark Buddhas. Um, but beyond that, to me, it's not very different. Yeah, I think there's there's a um, so so the space that you're describing certainly has you know both the traditional and then as you described it the the less costly uh, options, the more I, modern. Right, right. There's, there's also, I mean, and, and cost is a factor. Uh, I mean, certainly, uh, you know, when there's more space available, I'm sure that the grave plots are, you know, cost uh, quite a bit less uh, versus now where, where real estate uh, is increasingly at a premium. I think there's this inter interesting intersection between the digital and, and the physical. Um, you know, in, in the Tokyo temple that we talked about, they have the swipe card, right, which, you know, indicates these, you know, uh, specifies that Buddha that's, that represents the, 
the loved one. But, Instead of a book where you find the name and see where to go. Sure. Uh, but but if, if if you think about that in, in, in a virtual sense, right? So so that is that is still a physical space. So if that's a sort of a waypoint on, on the way to, to having sort of virtual memorials, right? So so you think about um, like right now there's this this slow uh, disengagement from the you know the physical remains and the remembrance right so the remembrance is still still very important because of course that's for the living right that's that's for the people who are remembering the loved one which is of course the the point in in this in, you know in the first place but as it's not we, always the point right I mean a lot mm-hmm. of people pay for and plan their memorials for their own mm-hmm. um, purposes when they're alive as opposed to for the loved ones who come after. So it can go both ways. Right. So, so I, I think what I'm, what I'm reflecting on here is that as we decouple these, these two things, which are sort of the physical remains, which, uh, you know, are, are stored in one place and, and then sort of the virtual, uh, remembrance, I, I think there's an interesting thread there mainly because we have all this digital, uh, information. So on, on the much more, garish side of 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 the the coin you know i've i've seen some examples of uh you know Im- embedding uh say video right in the uh uh in the tombstone or whatever so you could have like the person's uh face or or whatever when when you go to visit them right and so there's the the harry potter um you know the hologram of the of the person or or whatever it is in Harry Potter the spirit, um, and that you can interact uh, with that in you know in a limited fashion. So so I think there you know as we develop technologies that that enable at least uh, some kind of manifestation of that that person's um, you know be it their face or you know the way they looked when they. <laughs> You know, when they were a certain age, I I think there's going to be this this gradual separation of the remembrance part uh, from the uh, the physical part, which is going to become ever more uh, difficult to sustain for all the reasons that that we uh, uh, cited at the beginning of 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 this uh, story. And and I think this is the first step along, you know, maybe those steps have already been in place. Yeah. Yeah. But I think these are tangible steps towards uh, towards that happening, where remembrance and and uh, and physical remains are no longer tied together quite quite so tightly. Yeah, I mean it's certainly it's certainly transitional right now. I mean we see the you know the remembrance played out in places like Facebook, where um, someone's Facebook account they pass away, and a family member or something will sort of capstone it with some content. And then it's just kind of left out there to, to float, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, and people could still come and interact with it and see it. But um, over time, it you know decays and nobody's really going there anymore. Um, so there there are certainly examples of that in in the virtual right now. I think, and what that's going to look like long term, I'm not sure. You know. There's, there's this myth of forever. There's this myth of permanence that we really buy into as a species. And, you know, a number of episodes ago, I read, a, um, you know, the poem um, Ozymandias by, mm-hmm. by Lord Byron. And we still have those, you know, I mean, part of, part of the traditional physical headstone and big weighty is, is the idea of forever, that that stone's going to be there. And it's this, this thing that's going to keep me 
keep me going there forever. But, you know, the, the reality is, I mean, since the beginning of recorded time, uh, graveyards are built over and dug up. And, you know, once once they reach a point where there aren't that many people, once it's full and there's not many people still alive who visit and care about who's there anymore, uh, the people who are living, the, the what what remains of our species of civilization long after pulls it up and, and rolls forward. I mean, there's very, very few... Um, sort of permanent uh, either physical representations or remembrances. It's really, for, for our species, only the very recently um, deceased and departed or those who had such an outsized influence on their nation, you know, their religion, their, I mean, whatever the, the correct affiliations may be. And, uh, you know, one of the things I'm optimistic about is that we'll, we'll become – a lot of the myths that we have bought into during this time of Stone Age ignorance are going to be behind us, I think, in the decades ahead. You know, by, you know, the year 2100, let's say, I think they'll be gone. They'll be totally gone. And people will laugh and think it was crazy that we kind of had these things. Nothing is permanent. Nothing is forever. Um, you know, I, I can remember very clearly that, you know, I used to, God, how can I... I don't want to die. How can I live forever? How can I not be forgotten as a teenager or, or young adult? I would say teenager. And, you know, it, it struck me that at some point Julius Caesar, and I don't know why him, but at some point Julius Caesar will no longer be remembered. Through some um, confluence of circumstances, there will no longer be any any representation connection back to this famous, iconic Roman emperor, mm-hmm. perhaps the, the most famous of all. And, and so for me, that really... Um, disabused me of the notion that I could ever achieve any kind of permanence, nor that that should really be something that was very important to me. And But I think that in general, we humans uh, still have that notion. We still, we still seek it. We still buy into it. And it's just a myth. It's just, it's just nonsense. And, and all of these, um, all of these examples are, are, are just more sort of failed attempts. You know, what, what I will say is that the, the 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 sort of most successful examples, if we're talking about remembrance and burial, for me, are the older ones, not the newer ones. And what I'm going to cite here is from my wife's family. You know, she was born in sort of a small farming village in Germany. I mean, mm-hmm. way out in BFE. You know, it's, a, it's an hour away from Kaiserslautern, which is a, a decent-sized city, but nobody in the U.S. knows what the hell Kaiserslautern is. And that's the big city that this has as a reference point. So way out in the middle of nowhere... And her family has had, they've lived there generation, generation, generation. They've had a family burial plot, as does everyone else in this village, for centuries, for hundreds of years. And mm-hmm. I don't know the, the physics of how it works, but you die and you're buried, you're put on top or next to or however it works. And it's not sprawling outward. Mm-hmm. You have this small contained space. Right. And you just, I, I'm thinking somehow you're just getting layered on top. I, I don't right. know. It's weird. <laughs> but... It's this one magnet that you can come to that has more permanence by virtue of the fact that it keeps going. It, mm-hmm. it, it continues to have new utility and new usefulness for the, the newest and most modern generations. And, and as such, it, it maintains its relevance and it maintains its presence. And in the process, it ties back into this thread of great, 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 great,
would, would be long gone. And so I think it's in it's in that you know it's almost it's almost more Eastern. You know this idea of we're of staying as a unit in the U.S. We're so about individualism, and we go off and you know, we move across the country. We start our own um, life, and then we die, and our life is lived in a place that's completely divorced from from our family and those that came between us uh, before us. Um, and and that lends itself to um, to being forgotten, to not being part of of a longer thread of a whole that is greater than the self. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think the answers that we're looking for, the answers that are are sort of healthy and 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 correct and sustainable, are really go back to those older models. And the question is, how can the digital world um, adapt and represent those in the best way? I, I have no. Um, issue with the glowing Buddhas and the swipe card and all the mm-hmm. stuff that they're doing in Tokyo, but that's a very short-term and temporary solution. I mean, in 200 years, that little thing isn't still going to be there. It's going to be long gone. And and so, you know, the, the, the question is, what's the right balance? Acknowledging that permanence is a myth to begin with, what is the, the right balance and the right way of representation of of the departed? Right. Yeah, that's, that's uh, a lot that you... Uh, sort of looked at there. I, I think there's there's an interesting, uh, maybe it's not a problem set, but there's an interesting factor for us as 21st century people, which is we have all this data that can also be preserved in some fashion. Um, certainly there was plenty of data beforehand, but it was stored in, in not very easily transferable means. So I have these fantastic uh, watercolor paintings that my, you know, my great grandparents did. Uh, they were, you know, fine artists, really good at it. So, so I have some of those and, the, and those are delightful to have. Um, at the same time, I know that, uh, um, you know, people of our, our generation are going to have scads of, of digital detritus basically that could be, you know, attached in some way to a family digital plot. Right. I, I don't know if there would be any reason to preserve that, that life, right. Other than for, uh, uh, you, you know, may, maybe some, some ancestral research in the future, but we certainly have that as, as an asset that can, be preserved in some way, even if, you know, our, our bodies are not. So, so that adds an interesting wrinkle to both the remembrance and the, um, sort of the ability of, of future generations to understand the ones right prior. I don't know if that's, uh, you know, I don't know what that means, but it's certainly there now. No, no, that's right. I mean, you know, on my my personal website, I have a lot of professional things, but I also have a lot of personal things. And the reason I've done that actually is, is for a record for my future generations. Mm-hmm. And my my theory is that, you know, genetically they're going to share a lot with me and some proportion of them will be wired like me mm-hmm. in different ways. And my thinking is that if they can come to this and see what was I thinking about and what was I doing and how did I view the world when I was 25, 30, 35, 40, 45, that that could be a valuable reference point, something that helps them to better understand themselves, better understand how they fit into the world and better understand how to live their lives. Um, and when I first started to do it, I had the notion of forever with it as well. I was like, this will be out there forever. And it's not like a book that like one person is going to have, like, mm-hmm. like maybe my daughter will take it. And 
her kids will be nothing like me. And they'll have this thing like, oh, what the hell is this? You know, and it won't be relevant to them. Um, but this thing, if it's on the internet, it can be distributed. And anybody who's and generations down the road could come to this and go and look at it. But that was silly because, you know, it's on WordPress. You know, where's WordPress going to be in 50 years, 100 years, 500 years, right? I mean, the whole platform is going to not be relevant anymore. And so I'm creating the, this thing with this notion of of permanence, you know, with, I, I think, with very, um, very thoughtful and well-meaning intentions of impacting uh, future, you know, future generations um, of mine, and maybe even people I'm not related to, I, I don't know. Um, but it's it's just going to blow up, you know, for some change in technology or infrastructure um, that is not not predictable. And that's, that's frustrating, because, um, you know, for me, it's less about being remembered, per se. And it's more about, you know, um, looking at it as if I'm a machine, I've learned a great deal in my life. And um, I feel that I I have the ability to communicate it in transferable ways, not the, you know, old person saying, oh, you gotta eat your vegetables way. Um, and so I think I can make the lives of some future people better in ways that will make them better citizens and better parts of society and civilization, and will make the world better. And And I don't think we do much of that as a as a culture, certainly, and, and as a species either. Um, so I think it would be wonderful if we could figure out ways to transfer our learnings, transfer our gray hairs during our life to other people in ways that they can really use it. And I don't know. I maybe I'm now I'm going a little bit off track, but I I have very much you know if. People say, oh, you know, what if you had three wishes and that kind of stuff? If I had wishes, it would all be about going back to relatives who are dead that I'm aware of, who I want to I want to ask them questions and understand how they looked at the world. I want to understand what they dealt with. And and what I, I know that that data will just will just make me so much more well and healthful and um, full of the best possible things, you know, that's, that's not possible, but is there some way that I can use technology as a proxy, um, for myself to offer that for the people who come after me? And I'm not optimistic, but I'm, I'm hopeful. I'm certainly putting in time and effort trying to, trying to create the, the data and the record, um, that could be leveraged in that way. Yeah, no, I, I think that the, the personal blog that you put together, what I've, what I've read of it, I think, you know, uh, accomplishes just that. And we'll just have to hope that, uh, um, you know, it can be maintained in some kind of format for you. Listeners, remember that while you're listening to the show, you can follow along with the things that we're mentioning here in real time. Just head over to the digital life.com. That's just one L in the digital life and go to the page for this episode. We've included links to pretty much everything mentioned by everybody. So it's a rich information resource to take advantage of while you're listening or afterward if you're trying to remember something that you liked. And if you want to follow us outside of the show, you can follow me on Twitter at John Follett. That's J-O-N-F-O-L-L-E-T-T. And of course, the whole show is brought to you by Involution Studios, which you can check out at GoInvo.com. That's G-O-I-N-V-O.com. Dirk? You can follow me on Twitter at D-Niemeyer. That's at D-K-N-E-M-E-Y-E-R. Or email me, Dirk, at GoInvo.com. So that's it for episode 147 of The Digital Life. For Dirk Niemeyer, I'm John Follett, and we'll see you next time. Bye.